0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Take Two. I'm here with Jordan. Hope you all are doing well. Again, Take Two is when we kind of review what I shared on Sunday and talk about it. And I have someone to kind of bounce some things back so the discussion gets a little bit deeper, hopefully. And again, you are always invited to be here and to join into this conversation. And you can do it online as well if you tune in here and you have a question, you can always uh, type that question in, and if we look at it and see it in time, we'll get to it. Um, you know, there's thousands of questions just coming in, so sometimes it's hard to get to them. Uh, a few things that are happening, uh, Jordan, you've got a hike going on coming up here.
1: Yeah, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, uh, going to the Claremont Loop. I think like 7, 8 a.m. Um, and easy walk. It's a five-mile loop, pretty flat. But it's an opportunity just for us to get out, uh, breathe some fresh air, put some steps in, and then maybe have a conversation, meet some new people. Uh, there is $7 park- parking fee at the Claremont Loop. So carpool if you want or ride your bike up there if you don't want to pay for parking. But um, it's like a free event other than the parking.
0: Okay. And that same day on the 24th, Saturday the 24th at 6 p.m. in the evening, we are going to have a get-together at my house And we'll post the address and all that stuff on social media so that you can get to that as well. There is also going to be the PACT. When is the PACT
1: taking place? PACT is this month on the 27th. That's going to be a Tuesday night uh, here at Genesis. Um, We're going to have a cool discussion on words. And kind of just to shorten it down into a little elevator pitch, um, a lot of people use words. But most people, when they use a word, it means something to them that means something different to other people, and how does that affect the way we communicate when the same words mean different things? Mm -hmm.
0: This could be a marriage counseling class,
1: by the way. (laughs) I'm not married. I'm not going to counsel anybody in marriage. (laughs) I mean, that
0: happens a lot in conversations, right, where you're trying to communicate one thing, it's being interpreted another way. So that's that's what I say. But that's not why we're here tonight. We're here tonight to talk about the politics of Jesus. And that was what my talk was entitled the politics of jesus neither left nor right nor religious and a quick kind of presentation of what i shared is really i'm going through jesus's first sermon that's recorded in matthew that takes place through chapters five six and seven that's what the series is going to be regarding uh past sunday was just the introduction trying to understand that jesus was actually very political and it's a politics though that's different than perhaps the way we see politics the phrase jesus is lord was printed on the roman coins but it said caesar is lord right and so this presentation of jesus is lord struck directly against some of those things which is very political which helps us understand why he was crucified, why there was such a pushback. You don't go say Jesus is Lord when our money says Caesar is Lord. Those kinds of things were present at that time. And so trying to understand the politics of Jesus and what it looked like is, um, I think, important to understanding the message of Jesus. And one of the things I started off, um, just to kind of set this up, and then chime in or interrupt if necessary, because I could I could keep going. And so every now and then just say, time out. Let me chime in here. The, really, the premises is that our political system here in the United States, whether it's Democrat or Republican or any of the other parties, right? Because those aren't the only two, even though that's what we see and that's, that's a whole nother talk. But both these parties are actually from a similar political tradition. And the tradition is one that I believe started with the Enlightenment and the idea that people are able to make their own decisions. And so it was the called really a, a liber, or um, a liberalism. And what it is, is trying to help individualisms have as much liberty as they can. And both parties are trying to push their form of, individualism to their party and so you have two parties that are putting out this idea of your individual rights are what matter No, you know your individual rights are at matter um, and we you know I have the right to my own body and so I have the right for an abortion or I have a right not to get vaccinated and it's both this kind of individualism that's being presented where the politics of Jesus does not go there the politics of jesus starts in community and puts community at the center above individualism that's a real simplistic way of kind of touching on those things but that's kind of at the heart of what i was talking about with the politics of jesus so you were there sunday and i think you listen to it again hit me
1: okay. um i just want to say I think about things a lot of times where um, two similar things, they, they're they like different examples or metaphors for each other or analogies and it's just how my mind works and so if I use words that offend you, I'm just trying to explain a concept. Um, but when I was listening to the, uh, the talk again today from Sunday, um, this idea of the politics of Jesus to me sounded a lot like what I see in sports and um, uh, sports and religion aside, I'm not talking about religion and sports, but (laughs) just sports purely. um, Like you have these two sides sometimes. And I'm talking about team sports. This is not individual sports. I don't, it's harder to do it there. Mm. But um, like if you have the Heat playing the Bucks, you have these two sides playing this game which is basketball, the same rules, but they're opposing sides, and they both have valid desires, which is to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're opposing because I want to win, I want to win, and they play each other, and we can get wrapped up in because I'm Bucks that this is what's important, and I need to win, and I'm going to cheat or I'm going to do something that's like not within the good spirit of the sport or as a fan I could treat people a certain way because they're aligned with a different team or something mm-hmm. like that and I think if you play sports you've encountered this or you've you've been a uh, you've done it where you kind of lose your cool you get sucked into the game mm-hmm. or the politics of the game the rules of the game and I think the idea here that I was making a parallel with, with um, the politics of Jesus is no matter what happens in the game, whether the Heat win or the Bucks win or the ref made a bad call or this or that, I didn't kick anybody, I didn't lose my cool, and I was able to shake hands with the other team at the end of the day. I think that's the greater politics because basketball is a small game within this much bigger game called life Hmm. and if we forget that life is the bigger game where these people are people that we live with and there's other things besides this one game besides this championship besides a ring on my finger because i could put a ball into a basket um it that part can get so important that it's i have to i have to do this at all costs but Mm -hmm. that's that's a small game within a larger game and i think the politics of Jesus is a larger politics. And you talk about Democrats and Republicans. Like, that's important, but that's only important in America. Um, hmm. And yeah. that's that's small when you're talking about all of the people on the wor- in the world or the whole universe. It's very small. And if we get sucked into that and we're only seeing this tunnel vision, then that's what's the most important. So that's what we act as if it's the most important. But right. kind of zooming out and seeing that there's something bigger.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a great analogy, especially in the political system that we have today, because there is so much competition with each other that um, that becomes who's going to win instead of the celebration of something more, which is supposed to be the uniting of our nation, right, or the functioning of our nation uh, together. I think, though, that there is something different in when we talk about the politics of a nation, and the politics of jesus because a nation by definition has certain things that are a part of it it has borders right where the politics of jesus it's an open table there are no borders everyone can come in can you know go out the the politics of a nation is self-preservation we're going to guard ourselves we're going to have a military to protect ourselves where the politics of jesus is sac- sacrificial right? It's sacrificial love. It's not here to have self-preservation. It's here to give our lives to others. The politics of Jesus is the the bowl and the towel that washes the feet. It's the, the broken bread, the, the wine that represents the body. It, it is the baptism that represents the dying to self and coming back to life. And, and so it, it's coming from a whole different mindset than the politics of nations right whether it be the united states whether it be syria china russia um, there's a, a political push of nations that is different than the political push of jesus where the political push of jesus can take place in any of those nations similar to your analogy where you know we're whether you're the heat or the buck's you're still playing the game and you can enjoy the game. You know, there's that kind of concept, but I, I think it's even deeper still in that you can be, you know, in holding that analogy, you can, you know, uh, be the fan of the bucks and still support the game and you can be a fan of the heat and still support the game. Right. Um, you, you can still support the game but there's a different goal I suppose in the politics of Jesus than to win right it, it's to love I would say is the politics of Jesus kind of
1: bottom line if I would say that I think I, 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 think I agree I think uh, I don't know if winning is, is even a good word it's more in the like the hashtag winning kind yeah. of lane when you're talking about Christianity like if we don't Or I don't typically talk about winning. I think, yes, as Christians, there is a desire to win. There's a desire to (laughs) um, have everything be good and to go to heaven and to be able to save our friends and family and to like, you know, break bread with each other. There's a a desire to live the like the kingdom life, which Mm -hmm. I would say is like hashtag winning. Yeah. But if you're if that's it and that's the only thing you're going for, it's it's gonna destroy you. And it's going to turn you into the person that wants to win the basketball game at all costs. Yeah. And the person that won't shake hands at the end of the game. Right. Which is
0: what we see in the Crusades, right? Is what we see in those kinds of things where it's like, okay, no, we're going to make Christianity this and we'll kill you to make it right. Right? I mean, that seems so far-fetched in some ways. But when you talked about winning, I I think how many times we – We've put this on that kind of a scale. I mean, it can be in sports, you know, where, oh, this boxer, he claims to be a Christian. Oh, this boxer, he claims to be a Muslim. Oh, I hope our boxer wins, right? I mean, I've heard those conversations, right, with Holyfield and Tyson way back when. I I remember hearing this and I'm thinking, hmm, I don't think God cares which one of these guys beats the other guy up. I really don't think that's on his table of agenda, but... That can be then a, a bigger idea of, oh, it's our military. You know, God is on our side. And then they're like, oh, no, our, our God is on our side. And then it's a battle of the gods, right? It, it's kind of that thing where we want our God to be on our side. And if our army wins, then it proves that God was with us, which is what we see actually in the Old Testament, you know, in a lot of those ideologies with like egypt and moses and those plagues it was a battle of the gods i mean that's what's taking place there and i think that you're right that's dangerous right because jesus isn't playing that game and the sermon on the mount as it's called i think goes into identifying that this politics is different than your politics the way i want my people to represent me is different than the way the people in power are wanting to be represented. And it undermines a lot of the ideas of what it means to be a winner. You know, the winner is the one who kills the other people. The winner is the one who is able to have the oppression and make the rules. And here Jesus is saying the first will be last. All right? And if you want to be great, you need to be a servant. All right? Again, this is conflicting to what everyone knew at that time, and this is the politics of Jesus. you know, And put it into our political arena, put it into our even um, Christian arena, how does that fit when you hear those words and you hear that, oh, I'm supposed to love my enemy. I'm supposed to do good and pray for those who spitefully use me. Right? How does that strike us? Because usually... It's a hard pill to swallow, and it doesn't go well because of what we are used to, mm-hmm. our idea of winning
1: right? yeah, and uh, I-, I think it can it can get very confusing if you don't have years to sit down under a tree and meditate on it, which almost nobody does. Uh, <laughs> but there's this idea that we're calling winning that I think is very important. In, in all of the games that we've been talking about right now, mm-hmm. including Christianity. But um, there's, there's an idea of um, how the scope of what you're doing can change the way you interact with it. And um, one of the examples that I think about in my head is with people that have different diet restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes diet restrictions are built upon beliefs. Like um, some vegans are vegan because they don't want to do harm to animals. And um there's some people who eat whatever. There's some people who say, I'll eat whatever, but not humans. Um there's some people that say I won't eat uh cows, or some people I say I won't eat uh pigs. And what we're doing is we're taking this this global group of all the possibly edible things and we're drawing a circle around the stuff that we think is okay to eat. Mm. And um, If you draw a circle around certain things, you're saying these things are, for whatever reason, set apart. So we don't eat those. Um, And that creates this kind of us and them thing because now there's people that are eating – like if I'm a vegan and there's people that are eating cows and stuff, people are eating things that I think are set apart. Mm -hmm. And now I can feel like I need to – Get them to stop eating that. I need to win. I need to go on a crusade and and make this the truth. Right. But using that same idea, if, you, if your circle was everything, like everything is sacred, you can have the same set of rules but it changes because now that everything is sacred, not just mammals, um, you still have to eat. And so you have to understand – that it's not about this is more important than this this is more important than that you have to make decisions and navigate the system differently because it's not like this is okay this is not okay technically everything's not okay because everything's important so what am I going to do I'm going to have to step into it I'm going to have to struggle a little bit and I'm going to have to come to a space where I can I can um, move forward and I'm bringing that up because um, I think Jesus is playing this game like mm-hmm. M- Milwaukee's versus Bucks mm-hmm. but what's what's going on with Milwaukee versus Bucks is there's a certain specified set of people on the Bucks and a certain specified set of people on the Heat. Um and Jesus's team is everybody. He's playing the same game where we're going we need to win, but he's not playing against anybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on his team and his challenge is not to beat another team, it's to get people to realize that we're on the same team Hmm. but he does want to win and he wins by creating that community by creating that body of christ and bringing it together and it's the same thing it's just because he's expanded his circle to everybody the way that he interacts is not against another group because there there is no other group now right yeah i i think it's important to see that someone doesn't have to lose
0: for jesus to win Right? That that is not how he plays the game, so to speak. And, and again, if that idea of winning is everything is sacred and then how we live into it has to be different. Like in the example with food, you know, if everything's sacred, then I can't eat anything or else I just have to think different about whatever it is I eat. Mm-hmm. Right, And so now everything is edible. I just have to have a different... Idea about it. I have to have a different value of it, or maybe more value of it as opposed to no value of it. I have to really appreciate that hamburger or those, you know, uh, buffalo fries, you know, whatever it is that we had. They were good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we have to have a different concept of how we see things. And again, I, I, I mean, we can kind of split how it's seen because I see that as a whole different game, right? I, I see. the the two teams fighting, you know, each other, you know, here's Rome, here's the religious Jews and and the nations. And they're fighting, trying to have superiority. Even the disciples at the end saying, are you going to now restore the kingdom of Israel? Are we going to be on top now that you're alive again? right. We're going to kick their butts, right? We're going to be able to be free from their bondage. And, And Jesus says, that's not for you to know. That's not how this is working, right? There's something else going on that's much bigger, that's including the Romans, is including the Jews, is including everyone else, right? I mean, when we say Gentiles, we mean the world. And, and so there's something else going on that Jesus is wanting us to be aware of. And I think that's that picture that you said. It's encompassing everybody and everything. Um, but it's also exposing the, the battle or the game that's going on here. Right, it's exposing the game that the Romans were playing and the game that the religious leaders were playing. Mm-hmm. It's exposing the game that the Bucks, you know, and the Heat, or let's say the Dodgers and Giants. That's more um, in my wheelhouse, right? It's just, you know, oh man, I really like the Dodgers, right? Oh, I hope they win because of whatever ever, you know. There's something else going on. That, that the He's exposing the game that's going on. You guys are playing for yourself. You're playing so that your team wins. I'm not playing so that your team wins. I'm playing so that everybody wins, right?
1: Hmm. I think this is very careful. If, if you're listening closely, this, I think... And I'm not trying to make this confusing, but I think this is very easy to misinterpret. Mm-hmm. Where... Um, I do think Jesus is playing for himself, but I think his team is everyone. Like, what would Rome do if literally everyone was Roman? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't go conquering people because they would be everybody. Mm-hmm. And when you view yourself as everybody, you're not – there's no opponent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can, see, I can see that ideology. The thing with Rome is most of people were slaves.
1: Right. Okay, maybe that right. was a bad.
0: <laughs> but no, but like I, everybody was a Dodger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, same thing. Yeah, if
0: everyone was, then there would be no competition, right? The, the competition—you don't compete against. To, you don't compete in the same way as you would another team in this kind of game, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I think there is that understanding. Seeing that Jesus stepping back and he's saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing to win, but when I win, everybody wins." right Mm -hmm. like when he says i came that you might have life and i came that you might have it to the full right i didn't come to punish you i didn't come to make myself win and you lose i didn't come to prove that i'm better than you and I, i think that's so much of what we see happen in you know a lot of the christian apologetic kind of thing it's like how can we prove we're smarter better than any other belief system um and it's this idea of we need to win your, you know, respect and we need to win your understanding that we are better than those kinds of things. And, and I just don't see Jesus competing in that, well, realm, right? And I think it goes back to what you're saying. He doesn't compete because that's not his game. It's like, no, I, I'm that's not the game I'm playing. I'm trying to win, right, the heart of humanity. I'm trying to win this and your fighting over this right and and again that's where the the politics of the world is over you know usually land and and that's kind of one of the first things that jesus goes in the you know first part he says you know the um meek will inherit the land right because that's what it means there it wasn't the world it was the meek will inherit the land and it was all about the land it was all about this promised land we, we need to have this land. And the idea of meekness, kind of tipping my hand for next week, but the, the meek means those who don't operate under the authority that they have. In other words, those that don't use their authority to control other people, um, which is, again, a different way of playing. You know, Those who have the power but don't assert their power to take possession. That's what meekness is. And so this is a whole different way of playing the game, so to speak, that Jesus is putting there. And I think one of the things I mentioned is we have been raised, I have been raised in such an individualistic society that everything gets filtered through that. And I shared about all those scriptures. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of earth. You know, whatever you pray, believing you receive, you'll have it. All these times that the word you is used, we think of it as an individual when really it is to a group of people. It was never to a single person, you know. And and even just that, having an understanding that when he's speaking these things, he's not speaking just to you. He's speaking to a whole bunch of people and you're supposed to be a part of those whole bunch of people. I I think that's a different view than what we see, right? If I were to ask you, how many churches are there in Upland? I'd say there's one Christian church. That's right, right, there's one. And the idea of what church is supposed to be, a collective body of people, there's only one, right? But immediately we think, well, I know of the Baptist, I know of the Methodist, I know of the Presbyterian, I know, and we start listing all the ones that we know. We start thinking of them in this individualistic way. When Jesus says, "No, there's only
1: one." Yeah, and that that's like it. It can get confusing uh, when we talk in everyday language. Like, but to give another example, with like, uh, like, who's in the MLB, which is Major League Baseball. And then you're like, oh, Dodgers. And it's like, no, it's like all of them are in it. But sometimes we get confused. Like we're talking major league baseball level and then other people are hearing like my team, my team, my team. Yeah. But we're talking about everybody. Yeah. And when you get confused, like I'm talking the whole league and you're talking in the in the team, then we have a disconnect. Um, and I think that's what happens a lot of times where yeah. I'm talking Christians and then you're talking Baptists, Presbyterians, this and this and this. Yeah. And, you know, I
0: I think Jesus pushes it to an extreme in in so many ways. I think there is a lot going on in the character of Christ that shows up in people that were unexpected. It was showing up in the people who were the everyday laborers. you know, the people who, uh, I mean, Jesus was supported by women, um, and that was unheard of. He, you know... Was interacting with he was a friend of sinners that was unheard of all these things that people they are on the outskirts they're not in our league and Jesus says oh no they are they are they're they're part of the major league baseball right now and so he's broadening our understanding and to more specifically to the Jews to the Gentile world it's like oh no they're not a part of this you know and he goes oh yeah they are I have sheep from another fold, he would say later on, right? He, he is expanding our understanding of who's in. And that's an uncomfortable thing for us because we, again, having a very individualistic, we want to be a part of this party. We want to be a part of the Republican party, the Democratic party, the, the Baptist, the evangelical. We have all these ways of identifying ourselves that make us feel more secure in ourselves. It helps us feel like we're winning, right, because we've got this. And look at what our team has done. And we name all our victories. And, oh, I had this saw this debate between my team and this guy, right, and my team won, right? And, again, Jesus is in the background saying, I'm, I'm not playing that game. Uh, I'm not going to do that because that, that is, has nothing to do with the game, if you want to call it, I'm playing or what I'm trying to win that way so i think it's very very similar and i think it's important i I mentioned also that you know we have even oh i have my my uh scripture reading time you know i get to i get up in the morning and i read my bible there was none of that at the early stages of the church there was no get your bible take it home and open it up and have your bible time The Bible was read collectively. The Torah was in the temple and it was read when they read it to the people there. Now the rabbis would study it, right? But the people overall had to receive that. And it was there. I don't know how much discussion there was in the temple. I think there was a lot afterwards in following the rabbis and the disciples. But in the early church, the same thing was happening. The letters of Paul and the writings of the gospels were taken to homes, which is where they met and read. And I, I just think, how different would it be if that's the way things were, right? And I think we've lost something, and I, we can never go back completely because it, it, the cat's out of the bag now. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where that term came from, but anyway, I guess that's someone true. had a cat in the well, bag, and yeah. Was try and get that cat back at it. <laughs> like that ain't gonna happen anytime easy um but anyway there was something that's lost in not being able to do things in a collective like that or not seeing the importance of a collective if the only time you could read the scriptures was in a group how would that change the dynamic of what we read because it would involve other people as opposed to us being just very selective in how we do things, how we hear things. Again, our team getting the information just from our source. I think we've lost something in that.
1: Yeah. And I think I like what you were saying during the, um, the talk where there's nothing wrong with reading the Bible yourself. If Mm -hmm. you can read and read your Bible. Um, yeah, but to kind of make a parallel to today with what you're talking about with like, uh, reading in groups, we all know that we can go to restaurants by ourselves. We all know we can go to the theater by ourselves. We all know we can go hiking by ourselves. And sometimes we do that. But it's very different than going to the restaurant with other people yeah. in a group. It's very different than seeing the movie with people at the same time. And um, there, there is something lost by doing it by yourself. Um, there are other things gained. Each each one's his own experience. If you want to go eat sushi by yourself, go for it. But um, understanding if we always do things alone, if we teach ourselves that the way to do something is alone, you you acquire a much different experience over time than doing it as a group. Um, and your the way that you perceive things, the way that you understand things um, – and the way that you kind of move through becomes different by becoming more individualistic, which is not always a bad thing, but it can be a dangerous thing because I think the um correct me if I'm wrong, but the thing that Sam is bringing up that I think is very important is when you do stuff as a group, you can't do a bunch of really shady or dumb stuff without other people seeing you. When you do stuff alone, you can do tons of shady stuff. You, like if you're if everybody online had to use their real names, so we had to be in a group and know who each other was, all the comments would be different. But since we're individualized because we can make all these random screen names, mm-hmm. people act very different than they would in the real world. Since when, in, the, in, the, in the freeway, we're in our own little metal boxes by ourselves, which are cars. Um, we just act all types of crazy because like, we're, we're us. But when you put us in a crowd, people act differently because we can check each other and we can do different – like we can act as a group and as a community. So it kind of creates this accountability. But when you step – the further you step into individualism, the more you step out of accountability to other people. And that can be dangerous to people who don't have very high accountability to themselves, don't have perfect morals, which is all of us. Um, Yeah. And we're fallible, so getting the people to check us is is very important. Yeah, there's there's a couple things there. One is just the
0: shared experience. There's something different about a shared experience. You know, seeing a movie together, laughing with a group of people, Um, even, you know, like having children or having grandchildren. So many times the reason you go to Disneyland is because of them now. right? It's not that I want to go on It's a Small World one more time. It's I want to see them on, it's a small world, right? And, and all the other stuff, I've seen it too many times to care, but seeing them, it's a whole different experience, right? So that shared experience is something that we should be having um, in our gathering together, you know, whether it be on a Sunday morning. And it shouldn't just be a Sunday morning, right? That's why we're doing these other things. It should be on you know, we had a shared experience last night with the Art for Artists and then had a shared experience last night when we went out to eat afterwards, right? There's so many things where we have shared experiences. And so I think that's something we will lose if we, again, make things too much individual. This is about what I have. And I think even now, with the pandemic, so many of us have gotten in our shell and have having a hard time getting back out for those shared experiences. And then once we do, it's like, oh man, that was nice. You know, first time we went out to eat at a restaurant, I was like, oh man, I really did miss this. You know, those kinds of things. Or when we had people here, even on a Sunday. Um, the other problem I think that can happen is that shady stuff can start to grow if that individualistic idea becomes a group of people right and it might not be shady like oh i'm doing something with this alias but it's like we now can justify what we do because we are a group and we are in ourselves confirming one another and so we have the right to you know hate this ethnicity and we'll call ourselves the Ku Klux Klan, but we see ourselves as right. And so now you've got a group of individuals sharing an individualistic idea Ooh. that starts to permeate that problem. And again, it's lost the vision of the collective. It's lost the vision that you belong to something much bigger than your individualistic group. Whether you know That was just one example. There could be political systems all democrats are blah 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 all you know conservatives are blah 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 now you've made just that individual idea bigger but it's still the same idea now we can do our stuff and whenever you vilify someone again it's against the politics of Jesus right whenever and that's the first thing that happens when we start labeling people you know oh we call them you know scoundrels we call them crooks we call them you know cockroaches like some of the things that have happened in some of the ethnic cleansing in different countries there's always a dehumanizing first because then i can vilify them if they're not really seen as human then i can
1: really yeah if i can circle kit them out of the circle right then i can treat them as something else exactly and you brought up something very interesting which i think is like in a, a, a a careful dance that we we need to to learn how to do, um, and this is very this can be very tricky because we started the the latest part of this conversation as like individual versus group, seeing the movie by yourself or seeing the um, the movie in a group, but you can do things in a way to give an illusion of something else, but it's really not that thing. Where if um, we're saying, oh, we need to be in community so we can have accountability, so that we can get different experiences, so we can talk. But then you just go find a bunch of people who think exactly what you think. Technically, you have more than one person, but you didn't find a community. Um, mm-hmm. You you're you're in an echo chamber, and this to me is like the uh, you're you're trying to check off boxes or something like that. Like you're trying to like tithe with the herbs in your garden, but you're neglecting the other things like justice and mercy, mm-hmm. where. Um, It's not about like, oh, this is good, this is bad because, again, we're separating. It's about what is the realistic situation. And if other people disagree with me, if they're part of the community in reality, they need to be a part of my community. Mm -hmm. And not to say like I'm only going to listen to these people. And that can be really hard online because there's algorithms that push stuff that you agree with. And so sometimes you have to be proactive in saying like I need to go seek out and look for – stuff i don't agree with i need to go love my enemy i need to do these things because there's forces outside of me that are trying to get me siloed that are trying to get me isolated um and it's not always for good or for bad sometimes it's an algorithm that's just trying to push ads to you so we can make money um but being careful not to fall into this trap to think you're doing good when all you're doing is uh painting this illusion of good yeah reinforcing what you
0: already think what you already believe i mean i think a few weeks ago i remember saying that you know if you don't learn from people who disagree with you then you're really not learning right if all you have is people who agree with you you can't learn because you're just hearing the same thing that's already resonating with you and i think that's a great just picture of if the world is made up of this diversity and if people have these varied opinions then it's impossible to have community without those varies without those other voices without that other you know uh food group without those other things then you really don't have community again you're uh, it's an illusion right Uh, of and then We've talked about this before too. Sometimes we can have an illusion of community where we go to a group of people. We come on Sunday morning and we're at church and we put our tithe in and then we go home and we said, yeah, I was in community, but we didn't really engage with anybody, right? We just went there, said, hi, how are you doing? Fine. Bye. See you later. You know, had a cup of coffee, had a nice talk, but there was no life bearing connection with people. Right. That's an illusion of community. And again, I think we're going to see that Jesus pushes into that as well through the politics of Jesus. There has to be this openness. There has to be this honesty. There has to be the genuine of who we are, because that's all God cares about. You know, it's like where your treasure is, your heart is also. Where is our treasure if it's not in the kingdom? What is the kingdom? It is the people. Little glimpses of things that we're going to get to, right? Um, Then we're missing the point. And I think Jesus is always pushing us to that idea of connection. And again, this is where I think that individualistic idea of politics is in contrast to the politics of Jesus. It's going back to the segregating. It's going back to I'm here, you're there. And Jesus saying, no, let's all get together here and let's, let's deal with it. And, and you, again, you think of Jesus' disciples, tax collectors and zealots, that's on the opposite side of the field, right? Zealots were like terrorists, right, to try and strike against Rome. And tax collectors were working for Rome to get money from these people. And they're sitting at the same table with Jesus. And again, I'd love to heard some of those conversations, right? Would happen with these two people if they sat next to each other, you know, because they had to, yeah. right? And I bet it was—I, yeah—I you know, can imagine plates getting thrown or whatever they had at that time, you know, falafels being thrown in your face. What are you talking about, right? Those kind of you falafel me <laughs> in the face. I, I can imagine those things uh, taking place. Um, got a question here from Gil. Would you say that a lack of substance? within a community is equivalent to mentality
1: huh well um, I was thinking when you were talking just now uh, because I was talking about going to movies by yourself or going in a group Mm -hmm. and we talked about this illusion thing where I think in order to act within something with confidence and do good you have to see the thing for what it really is Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think it's important to try and check yourself and constantly check yourself to see if you're living in an illusion and there's There's a big difference between going to the movies in a group and going to the movies by yourself, but there's other people in the theater yeah there's a big difference between coming to church and fellowshipping with people and talking to people and going out to coffee after and going to church and there's tons of people and uh like they come to church but you don't know any of them you don't talk to any of them you do the like you know get up and shake your neighbor's hand kind of thing you don't know that person's name you're never going to see them again that there's there's a difference and we can get those things confused oh he changed to mob mentality um and one of the things i said at the art for artist thing is because during art for artist we kind of share our art and that's kind of uh when an artist shares their art they're sharing a piece of themselves And we had some discussion on each other's art that we were sharing. And one of the things that I said that was really nice about it was because we were sharing our our actual selves, who we are, and getting to talk about it. I just felt like – like, you know, after a day at work when people are disagreeing with you for dumb reasons and arguing with you and dumping work on you, you just feel exhausted. But after this, I was talking to people. I was engaging with people, listening to them bear their souls to their art, and I felt, like, revitalized. And to me, it was like – um. This was a real interaction. This was real substance because this was the actual version of the person. And it was like when you eat food, when you eat real substance food, when you eat slow cooked food or homemade food with real ingredients, that's different than eating fast food. One is kind of the illusion of the other. And it'll catch up with you, maybe not immediately. But um, I I do think that the illusion um, in terms of community, which is very tricky because the illusion of community is a lack of substance, but it doesn't seem like it because it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. I think it does become a mob mentality because what you end up doing is not creating community, but creating a group, yeah. and then you have a bunch of individuals that either don't act as a group and don't help each other, or that w- what we were saying earlier, um, they uh, become radicalized or they all agree with each other. Yeah, there, there is a. Uh... Community,
0: but there's a singularity of thought that's being
1: pushed there. Yeah, so I definitely
0: think that's mob mentality, and I think that does happen. And I mean, gosh, you know, you start thinking that that happens in Christianity, lots of forms of it. As you know, not to pick just on Christians, it happens in all I think forms of religion and beliefs and countries. Right? We're the best. We're the best. Every country, you know, just about thinks they're best. Right. I mean, if you you go to people from Great Britain or something or from Wales, you know, it's like, no, we're the best. Look at how beautiful our country is and look at our people or whatever. Every country has this wanting to have that kind of singularity, that kind of mob mentality. But now it's just all of us, you know, we're here. Um, That's definitely a danger that can take place. And again, the politics of Jesus doesn't have that because that community is still a singularity. Right, That Republican Party, that Democratic Party, isn't a community that embraces both. Many times, I want to paint all of everyone in that way. I know plenty of Republicans and Democrats who have great friendships with people on the other parties. But, so it's not just that. Um, But there can be a singularity of thought and a mob mentality that takes place. And you see it promoted on, you know, the news. You see it on your individualistic news media there's it's been some people who are like I really like these people but every now and then I'll hear them talking it's like oh man they're just now slinging it you know they're just throwing mud and you just start to lose that I don't know heart that is what's important you you lose the heart of what I think Jesus is trying to convey when you start trying to shame Mm-hmm. Right, um, instead of elevating them, you know, and so that's a hard thing, but hopefully that answered that question, Gil. I think it's a good insight uh, for that um you know, one of the last things I talked about was the here, not yet, the idea of the kingdom is here, and we're supposed to live as if it's present, but it's not, and what that forces us to do is be active as if it is. And so this whole idea of you know, living in this understanding of unity isn't an excuse to say, oh well, one day God's gonna make it all right and until that day comes I'm just gonna be passive and let things happen. I'm supposed to actually live as if it's present, which means I'm gonna act as if it's present, which means I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, those kinds of things. And that's an important distinction because I, for a long time in my Christian life, um, was all about. Well, right now I am just, you know, going to study, uh, try and you know be a good Christian. But one day Jesus is going to come and deal with all these other people, and and then I'll be in heaven and everything will get better. And now I see myself as a part of the kingdom doing the work of Jesus here and it's not I'm not waiting to leave. I am living as if it's present even though I don't see it present.
1: Yeah. And I think that's kind of the point of the gathering which we call church now, mm-hmm. um of the people where um, like that kingdom come, they will be done on earth as it is heaven where we're, I think called to live kingdom or to live as if we're in heaven to try and push that ethos, not necessarily to force it on people, but um, the, the, I, I was thinking of the example, I used to be on the Ontario outlaws, um, which is a little league football team <laughs> um, so back when I was smaller, <clears throat> not now, but um, the team is pretty big. Uh, I don't know. We had like 60 kids on the team and, We played other teams from other cities, but we had enough people on our team to play games against ourselves, and we did that in practice. And the the, kind of the vibe or the intention of playing within the outlaws was very different than playing against Long Beach or playing against Upland or wherever because I am trying to beat the other half of my team, but I know I'm doing it to make all of us better. Hmm. And when you you miss this and I tackle you, I'll stop and say, like, stop this is what you missed and we're going to get better. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to do it again. And that's like the accountability, the getting better, even though I'm playing the same game, which is football, mm-hmm. I am trying to win, but I recognize that everybody on the other side of the football is also on my team.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: very different. Like, Oh, I remember like, um, cause I just love tackling people when I was little. That's why I didn't play football in high school. I got kind of scared like that. I enjoyed it too much. Um, uh, and, uh, We just lay people out with, like, no remorse as, like, 12, 13-year-olds on the other team. But on our team, after I tackled you, I'd, like, put my hand out and pick you up. Hey, you okay? And, like, call the the coach, like, hey, this guy's lightheaded, like, or whatever. And that difference between playing the same game, having intensity in, in both settings, but looking at the person on the other side of the starting line as me or looking at them as them. And I think that's, like, this big difference, and it really changes the way you interact. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's an important part of life, right?
0: Iron sharpens iron. It's that idea of, you know, I need to have my thoughts challenged, right? Not because I want to be, you know, proven wrong or you need to prove me wrong, and I'm not here just to prove you wrong, But we need to be able to have that dialogue so that we can more deeply think through whatever it is we're presenting or, you know, understanding and and understanding that by getting other voices um, helps us, right? When you listen, like we were talking earlier, I I don't want to just listen to everyone who agrees with me, right? And so like I have, I don't know how many podcasts I listen to, and I've got some that are kind of in this, you know, segment here that I really like. And I've got some over here that are kind of in this segment, and some over here that are just in another whole realm by themselves. But together, they give me a lot of insight into how people live and see the world. You know, I've got family who are, you know, have been Christian for a long time and have little children. And they talk to me about uh, school and about, you know, these things that are there. And I have a family who aren't christian and are teachers and have children in school and they talk a whole different conversation right and we're both talking about school and so i have to take these and i have to take these and i have to weigh them and come up with a balance that makes sense to me and to me that helps me to have a little bit more depth in the understanding because they're saying this and I, i they're not lying to me for you know i just want to tell sam what i you know he wants to hear and they're not lying to me. They're telling me what they believe, both parties. But together, I get a little bit better insight into the whole. And I think that's similar. I, I have, you know, competition in some way with the, you know, engagement of other people. But it's not to win. It's to be better. Right? And I think that is uh, important. And, and that's why I love those kinds of things. Gosh, Karina and I last night. We're talking and she goes you love to debate and it's like, I'm not debating I'm just trying to you know but I do I, I like those kinds of things and I, you know I have to be careful because I'm not trying to debate my wife um, I'm just trying to engage with you know other conversation and it's important to have that clarity of it not be I need to win right I need to get better I need to understand more last night we were talking about something the AFA and I forget who it was it was Ben someone mentioned about like if someone critiques me I can either take it as ridicule or opportunity to get better Mm -hmm. right and it's the same thing it's a critique right it's pointing out something but how I take it determines what I'm going to do with it right and The only way I can take it as opportunity to get better is if I have a heart to see it as that. In other words, if if someone tells me something that shows a weakness, shows an error, shows a fault, my heart will determine what I do with that information. And then it will also determine whether I see that person as someone who is an adversary or someone who is there who actually can benefit me. And that all comes from me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whatever their intent was, what I do with it will determine who they are to me. And I think it kind of falls into that line, I think. Might be going off a little bit, but...
1: <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, and I think sometimes when, when people are having talks like this and people are listening to the talk they can hear things that may not necessarily be what is being said. Hmm. And um, in this case, I think it was actually said, but uh, (laughs) I don't think either of us are saying that we don't want people to agree with us. Like I love it (laughs) when I'm talking to somebody and they legitimately agree with me and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's awesome. And I love that. And I want that to happen. And I realize that because I want that to happen – it's just like the same thing with working out. Of course, I want to lay on the couch all day and I don't want to work out. Of course that's what I want. and because I realize that and I know that exercising is good, I, I have to put in effort to tell myself to get up and go exercise. A lot of people think because I like I'm like in shape or I, I do sports all the time, like oh Jordan you're lucky like you want to exercise and you're just in shape so everything's great for you no you know how long it takes me to get up on my bike and ride sometimes it takes me three hours to get from my bed to my bike because I don't want to do it um, and I was supposed to start riding at 4am and now it's 8am and so I have to ride in the sun now because I had to fight myself to even get on my bike and um, I, I, I love talking with people that agree with me and I do I most times I dislike when people say that i'm wrong that's that's not like saying like oh dude like we need to go do this because it's great and it's gonna make me feel good it's probably gonna make you feel bad it's probably gonna make you have to say maybe i treated someone else wrong or maybe something i did in the past was bad which is always uncomfortable but it's super important they have that in the the gym they have the no pain no gain thing Mm -hmm. like when you're doing like conversational bench pressing it doesn't feel good it's a struggle it's a stretch and you have to realize that and go through it anyways and 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 not always call for your spotter to lift you up because you're never going to get any stronger you have to put more plates on over time um to use the bench pressing analogy and it i thought you were using a food analogy okay (laughs) if you're a competitive (laughs) hot dog eater then it works that way
0: no no very true I, I think that's very true. You know, we don't like the conflict, but we have to engage it differently. Yeah. I, I think, like when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's the hunger that keeps you going, right? It's the hungry for something that makes you want to eat and devour that. And we'll talk about the word blessed because it's really more than, oh, happy. It has a lot more meaning in it that we'll get to. Um, next week but yeah i think it's important to realize the conflict isn't always something we welcome yeah and we do usually welcome the agreement which is why we lean towards those things and that's why we start to develop our little communities our little cliques our little individualistic idea of the world that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy and then when we don't feel that way because someone says something, we'll leave and go find another little group that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. Because God forbid we should have to actually live our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly together, mm-hmm. right? Which is what community is. It's what family is. It's what we are supposed to be. You know. Any other
1: thoughts? Yeah, I was going to give a pro tip um, about leaning into discussions difficult with you. Because sometimes you, you like, know you got to talk to somebody or have a certain discussion that's, like, not fun. And it's going to be, like, more weight than you want to lift. It's going to be running outside in the heat or whatever. And it's not going to be fun. Um, uh, If you're playing sports and you know there's a game and it's important to to perform well in that game, almost invariably the thing a person that's serious at winning that game does is practice. Mm. And so if you are getting uncomfortable in certain situations it's too much for you maybe uh go find situations that are still uncomfortable but more manageable and go practice there um go go like maybe don't have the the most epic disagreement with your wife ever right now because you're not ready for that in your head maybe go have that same conversation with someone else that you know doesn't have the same ideology as you but it's not going to cost you like sleeping in your bed for the next two weeks um you can just disagree with them and it's okay. And then you like learn to have that conversation. You have that sit in your head and it's like you can, you can go interface with people that are um, – or have certain uh, conversations that are less intense or less important to like your society or your community and stuff and do that as practice. And if you do that all the time, just like if you get up in the morning and run a mile every day, then running a mile is never hard. But if you don't run a mile every day and then all of a sudden somebody's chasing you and you have to run away, now that it's important because you haven't practiced, it might be hard to get away. (laughs) And not to say you should run away from your problems, but um, (laughs) that's not what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: I know. Practice is good. I mean – and how you practice. I mean the whole transformation thing that we did is how we engage, right? And so I have a disagreement with someone and there's the conflict. Why do I feel conflict? what is it that's striking me about the conflict because that's my kairos right that's something's happening i'm feeling conflicted so then i dig okay why is it oh it's because i'm tired of people pushing me around i feel like i'm always being abused whatever it is that comes up to the surface okay this is why i'm doing it and then we have to detect you know okay why am i telling myself that that's happening what's the The bad news I'm telling myself about, the fact that I feel like I'm being pushed around. Do I feel like I'm taking advantage? And then we just kind of internalize some of these things so that the conversation doesn't turn into a fight, right? It's like, no, I've got to to tell the truth about myself so that I can understand the truth that needs to be brought to the surface. If I don't get to the truth about what's going on in me in the conflict, then it's hard to have the depth of conversation because it will just turn into an emotional, you know, shouting fest or something like that because I'm hurt. I'm going to hurt, you know, I'm going to protect myself. You know, I'm going to be that dog in the corner that feels threatened. and I'm going to bite, you know, if we don't understand, well, why do I feel threatened? What is it? Should I feel threatened? Is there anything here that really is threatening? Okay. Well, what's going on? If I don't go there, sometimes I will lash out in a way that's unhealthy too.
1: Yeah. So, you gotta gotta love yourself before you love other people. You gotta work on it inside of yourself before it could come out good. And what was I gonna say? The um one of the great strategies of what I've found, in my opinion, is adulthood or maturity. And it's like if somebody can respect you doing this and you can respect other people doing this, like keep that person around. Um <laughs> is like say me and Sam are talking and he says something that like totally catches me off guard and I can feel my heart beating faster and I'm getting offended or whatever, I could be like, hey man, this is a little too much for me right now. Can we pause? Or like before I respond to something sometimes, I need time to think about it. And like I love it when I'm talking to somebody and they say something to me or I say something to them and the person says like, oh dude, I'm not prepared to give you an answer. I need to think about that. Can we pause on that? I'll get back to you in a few days, but let's talk about something else right now. Like it's okay to not be ready to engage with everything, and if you're always trying to say like I'm ready, I'm ready, like SpongeBob, um, <laughs> then sometimes you can get overwhelmed, and that's when you do lash out. And sometimes <laughs> it's better to say like Hey, pump the brakes, let's pause. I need to to work on this. Yeah, no, that's great. As long
0: as you can get back, right? Yeah, as long go as, back. Yeah, as long as you get back, then it's a good thing. Well, good man, good stuff. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for being here and chiming in and again bringing some great analogies that kind of make you think through things a little bit um and digest it a little bit more um it's an important thing
1: so appreciate that
0: appreciate that
1: and even though we had we were like smiling a lot and stuff i feel if you listen we disagreed with each other and we 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 challenged each other with different ideas but i think um sam and i have a, a good enough relationship where we can do that we um and offer different ideas, and we say, oh, I never thought about it like that. And we move back and forth. And this wasn't in, a, I agree with you, I agree with you, I would agree with you. It's yeah. like, I oh, you think that, but have you thought this? Oh, I had never thought that. Now that you said this, what about this? Yeah. And I think that's the good conversation once you do the mile every morning, and once you are in shape, you can go and have fun running instead of it being terrible. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, and one of the problems I face being a pastor, um, a lot of people will just want to agree with me. Yeah. So don't just agree with those pastors out there. Um, it's good to have other voice come in. And I don't know if challenge is the right word, but to at least question, right? Question things. Well, what about this? And I think that's a healthy thing. I need that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that from the friends that I have who have the ability to voice. And I don't want to, e- even like the other, I don't know if it was last week or whatever, Randy Said, I don't agree with everything you say, and I don't know if you even said it online or said it before we got it online. And it's like, I, I'm glad. Right? I'm glad. I don't expect you to, um, but we have mutual respect, and so that allows us to have conversation that gets to grow and understand things deeper. And so I think that is important. I appreciate that. Appreciate that with you and so many people who are part of my life. I like the fact that you can tell me what you think even. When it's different and not feel like, Oh no, I told the pastor, I think different than him. Like, good. You should, you should, uh, you're wrong, but you should. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, I just had to, I had to throw some levity in there. God bless you guys. I love you. Hope to see you Sunday. Um, here at 10 AM. Join us. We are open up and, uh, also live here on YouTube. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jordan. God bless you guys. Take care.
1: You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.